welcome to the Big Kids Book Club. A podcast about all things fictional, from middle grade to young adult. So sit back, relax and enjoy the show. Hey, 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 welcome back to another episode of the Big Kids Book Club. My name is Marcus and I'm your host and welcome back to 2022. And for the first podcast of the year, I'm joined on the show by author of The Second Bell and brand new middle grade, The Wind Child. It's Gabriella Houston. Welcome to the show. Thank you for inviting me and Happy New Year. <laughs> yes, Happy New Year's. And as you are new to our show, we like to get to know new authors by uh, sort of delving into a little bit of their writing journey, a little bit of their history about how they became got into writing and how you got up to where you are now. So um, I'm a Polish writer living in the UK and I write uh, Slavic mythology and Slavic folklore inspired fantasy mostly. My adult debut, The Second Bell, um, came out from Angry Robot last year and it's a sort of mother and daughter against the world kind of story. And my children's debut, The Wind Child, is uh, coming out on the 3rd of February from Euclid Publishing. And it's about Mara, the granddaughter of the god of winter winds, who sets out on an epic journey to bring her beloved father back from the dead. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's it's quite an important part, obviously, touching on your heritage there, the Slavic folklore and mythology, something that's not really tapped into. But obviously, I think People are, are having a first for it right now with the popularity of stuff like The Witcher and stuff. I want to know a little bit about how you, you sort of saw your sort of cultural heritage and what there's so many great stories. I want to turn them into books. So, um, like you said, sort of Slavic mythology and Slavic folklore are uh, largely kind of an untapped resource uh, at the moment. And uh It's changing a little bit. The thing about Slavic mythology is it's not that well known even within uh, most Slavic countries. So it's um, the difference uh, between sort of Slavic mythology and the better known Western mythologies like Norse mythology, Celtic mythology and uh, and obviously ancient Greek um, mythologies are that uh, there's no set text. There was no... Uh, nothing was written contemporary to the, to the people who practiced the religion. And so everything that we know now is sort of has been passed down for all the traditions or has been carefully pieced together by uh, comparative linguists, archaeologists. Uh, so there's a lot of inconsistencies uh, within the kind of texts that are available. Um, my favorite example of uh, that kind of inconsistency is I have one uh, book about Slavic mythology, where Veles is the god of underworld, uh, one of the two main gods, brother of Perun, co-created the earth, rules over the dead. And in another book on Slavic mythology, he's a god of cattle. So, you know, there, there are certain things that kind of that kind of repeat. But yes, there, there is no kind of official text. There's no um, metamorphoses that you can kind of look into and 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 there's a big um there was a big shift in how the stories were told and the sort of the changes in the stories with the advent of christianity and uh, in the slavic lands so um 
the feel I get from the stories that sort of incorporate the Christian elements is are very different. So I kind of look more to kind of pre-Christian um, folkloric elements for inspiration. But it, it is something that has is um, is gaining popularity at the moment. There is a bit of a sort of uh, I don't know every hundred years, isn't it? It's like Slavic revival kind of <laughs> thing where there's uh, people are looking more to, to to the kind of old stories and there's this neo pagan movements that are kind of springing up here and there. Um, still quite niche, uh, I would say, but uh, but largely I, I find that the the Slavic sort of folklore stories and Slavic mythologies that I kind of grew up with as a child were in sort of for young children there were stories that were kind of fairy tales for young children and they kind of firmly remained within that space so then as I as I was growing um you know I studied Greek mythology in school both primary and secondary I studied I studied uh, Norse mythologies um, I had an interest in, like, you know, I, I could borrow books from the library about Egyptian mythologies, about Celtic mythologies, but Slavic mythologies remained in that space of childhood. And uh, I only came back to that side of my heritage um, as an adult. And it's also interesting going back into it because, um, n- you know, now that I know more about the sort of different world mythologies, there is a more interesting process for me sort of cognitively of kind of comparing the different uh, the different aspects of this folklore and how how they compare to to the other mythologies. Yeah I like that and you've sort of touched on a lot of points there and sort of moving into the wind child the mention of gods and folklore and sort of all the sort of bringing it together it sort of mixes up with Mara who essentially is sort of almost like a demigod you know she's got this this goddess mother and a human father and it instantly starts tying her into some of these these gods that for most people I think will be the first time they've heard of these sort of like the god of winter winds and such. Um, did you sort of like choose to make her a demigod? Was it primarily because obviously where the story goes, it's sort of it's very important. But did Mara always start out as a demigod, or did you start her off as like a human child? Because it'd be interesting on how you blended folklore and the, the sort of pagan gods. So um, I just wanted to know that, you know, Mara is a demigod, but she is powerless herself. She looks human. She has no magic of her own. And I was, I'm always interested in kind of dual identities and um, sort of duality of human nature is something that features prominently in Slavic mythologies as well and Slavic stories. So this is something that I really wanted to kind of explore. And Mara's identity is mirrored in her best friend Tornev, who is sort of, you know, half Prisanian and half Votrish. And so he feels like an outcast. He doesn't quite belong, you know, in in one place or the other. And they sort of forge their identity kind of together as well, in a way. So, yes, she was all, she always had that sort of dual aspect to her. And I wanted to kind of show that this, you know, she grows up among the gods. And so she grows up really feeling like an outsider she she feels like a disappointment she and you know through through the book you find she is uh, she, she's brave she she is uh, inventive she she's clever but she doesn't feel like that's enough because she she grows up among um creatures that don't value that as much as they do the appearance of 
godliness or the kind of more showy powers. And that, of course, the fact that she feels like an outsider and her mother does not have this kind of human sort of what we associate with human maternal kind of behaviors. Um, So she grows up very close to her human father who gives her that sense of identity who gives her that sense of belonging and you know she he is the kind of center of her universe and a child like that you know how would she respond if this person that she she sort of centered her life around died and I don't think that someone like Mara would accept this kind of grieving process but this is the end because she has access even though she has no powers she has access to that world of gods and she doesn't see it as something that is completely beyond her that is something that she can't access at all yeah it's, it's you mentioned there the sort of like the real crunch of the book where sort of uh, Mara's dad is just taken away I think you're right it's the way that she's been brought up while she feels like an outcast she also sees the world in less infinite in this sort of like Oh, you can't do that. It's just no one comes back from. Uh, is is it uh, uh, Navia? Navia. Yes. Yeah. No one comes back from Navia. No, no humans. I think someone specifically says no human ever comes back from Navia, and she's like, well, I'm not completely human. Yes. <laughs> exactly. So there's always, you know, a sense that you can look at things in two ways, and um, and you know, she she is not one of the gods, but she does that she knows that she has that part in her and that she will she does she will not have it erased from her yeah absolutely but going back to that event obviously the death of her father instigates the entire adventure now obviously you mentioned a little bit earlier that the sort of stories were very much fairy tales for younger audiences Mm -hmm. yet this is a real gut punch very early on and it's very emotional I was wondering how it felt like to because it's almost it feels like it's a very older middle grade. It's a sort of like a 10, 11 plus. There needs to be some sort of, in a sense, you know, be willing to suddenly feel the the emotions that Mara feels. Because I wondered how writing that felt. Because obviously as a mum yourself, that must have been like, oh. Well, looking at the kind of emotional side of it, you know, you're saying, you know, nine, 10 plus here, four plus in Poland. <laughs> so so um, it's the kind of the, the, the folklore kind of fairy tales uh, that I grew up on are brutal. They're absolutely gut-wrenchingly horrifying in some, you know, <laughs> in some ways. And, um, but I also grew up with, you know, this, this sense that um, children have to you know you know as much as we want to kind of shield them they will experience all the aspects of life and you know there's children who go through uh parental loss there's children who um who have to experience grief and you know they experience it but then they don't necessarily always see it reflected in, in the books they read you know if a parent dies in in a kind of traditional adventure then it's like it happens sort of off screen it's and it doesn't sort of seem to have that much of an emotional effect um, on the child whereas you know with Mara it's all about her grief it's all about like the journey of grief so you know I, I don't think we should shy away from presenting the harder aspects of life and reality it's of course like you know it's it's maybe you know tempered and it's sort of presented in a way that's more accessible to a child but the feeling itself is a feeling that so many children have to go through so why should we pretend that they don't yeah I I do love that and again you sort of you're reading it 
uh, obviously I read it as a big kid uh, reading it. You sort of you you can sort of feel the punches, but I do love how beautifully written it is. And obviously Mara is not going to take this lying down. So she makes it her mission to go out and basically save her father and is joined along the way by my precious little bear boy. Uh, <laughs> <Tornif>. <laughs> um, I, I loved how the sort of the journey, you know, it became almost a sort of a, a found friendship, a found family aspect because she meets a lot of, I guess, Mara meets a lot Definitely. of her relatives on the way. And through that, she understands a little bit more of who she is and her her wider um family and the sort of uh all of the sort of the winter winds did you sort of look into writing the book in a it has almost like a hero's journey to it as they try and get to Navia and save her father but along the way there's a lot of almost like Herculean I, you mentioned earlier you you read about Greek uh, mythology mm. it almost feels that because it has almost like a, a Jason sort of vibe where she needs to get to some place but along the way she keeps meeting these monsters and these people and having like mini adventures along the way yeah, I mean, there's lots of mini adventures. There's, you know, you you will see there's lots of uh, monsters and all kinds of creatures and gods um, on the way, I, I, as would happen when you sort of take a journey on this kind of in this sort of parallel spiritual universe. But um, I find that you know when you, we think about kind of Herculean tasks, they're less about who Hercules is in a way. It's more about his strength. Whereas with Mara and Tornaf, I, I wanted to kind of tailor the the challenges they met along the way, and I, the 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 way that I picked the creatures they met along with way uh, is to sort of expose the kind of weaknesses in 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 Mara and Tornaf, and to kind of show their vulnerabilities a little bit as well. So, but just to give an example, so there's a, a creature called Kanya. She's a sort of shape shifting uh, female demon monstrous who targets lost children and in many respects both Mara and Tornav are lost sort of uh, metaphorically and literally and um, but you can't kind of find your way unless you realize you're lost as well and I think for it exposes something about not to give too much away it exposes something about Tornav that he tries to kind of keep hidden his what his kind of unmet needs in terms of family are. And I think that those sort of challenges bring bring Mara and Tornov closer because they actually find that there's a lot of parallels in, in how they see themselves and what they need. Yeah, they, the two of them become it's a beautiful sort of growth and development, especially when you get that almost perfectly ends. Uh, well, not obviously give, give away the ending. You have to read that yourselves, peeps. But uh, the way it ends so beautifully with them sort of sitting on the beach at the end and just leaves it so beautifully open-ended. This takes us perfectly into my sort of what next is, what next can we expect to see from Mara and Tornav? Because it almost feels like you've left it there for more adventures to come along. Um, well, yes, because, um, hmm, I don't know. So basically, um, there is a part two, but the gods of publishing have to smile upon me and um the book has to sell <laughs> in order for the publisher to buy book two so there is a journey that is completed in volume one but there is another kind of arc that i would like to explore a little bit more but you know it it, it entirely depends depends on the sales <laughs> it depends on you guys going out there and picking up this amazing book it comes out on february the third i'm right february the third yeah. february the third from uk publishing 
The Wind Child, it's a beautiful Slavic fairy tale with Mara and Torniv, this found friends going on an amazing journey. And yeah, it's just perfect for those who love, I think, especially if you're into stuff like um, The House with Chicken Legs and stuff like that, I think it's good, definitely. Or um, Bear in the Nightingale is another one I definitely feel like if you're a fan of those books, you will love this one. So that is obviously it for The Wind Child. You have ideas for a part two. Is there anything else you have bristling on the horizon? um so i'm working on an adult project that's not announced at the moment um but i can't say anything about <laughs> secrets publishing uh, secrets i have just all i i have no announcements to make right now i only have secrets <laughs> secrets okay oh uh, well secrets and mysteries and enigmas Se- secret mysteries and enigmas well one secret we have which is the worst kept secret if you've ever listened to one of these podcasts before is we are giving one of you lucky listeners a chance of winning the book we've just been talking about the wind child if you want your own copy well let's find out how you can it's super simple all you need to do lovely listeners is head over to our twitter at big kids book club all one long lovely word and there you're going to enter our competition by going onto the competition tweet using the hashtag windchildcomp all one word windchildcomp and our quizzy question that you need to answer along with that hashtag is to tell us what is your favorite thing about winter obviously mara is sort of descended from the the gods of the winter winds so i figured this would be a lovely little thing to add to it so gabriella as you are here with me i'm going to ask you what is your favorite thing about winter the way the air feels when it's really cold and really dry and i mean cold like you know minus 15 or something it's just kind of it's a different smell in the air that sort of you know bursts the little blood vessels in your nose (laughs) there's a sharpness to it and there's a pinchiness to it if it's dry as long as it it doesn't have that moisture that I'm so used to now in London that kind of chills you to the bone dry cold air the smell of it nothing like it out in the proper countryside isn't it where it can get really cold yeah oh yeah I like that yeah I was gonna say I love the crunch of when you walk on frosty ground I love that crunch oh I went to Poland for Christmas this year and uh it was about minus 15 and um I was walking through a forest and there's those big mounds of moss and when it's frozen all the way through and you your foot sinks into it, it's just the most satisfying crackling. Well, there you go, lovely listeners. That's a couple of our examples, but you can also add to them with your own. Heading over to our Twitter, at Big Kids Book Club, using the hashtag WindChildComp and telling us your favourite thing about winter. Well, that has all we've got time to talk for. Unfortunately, we've zipped through today. And so we're going to have to say goodbye, Gabriella. But I'm not going to let you completely go until you let our lovely listeners know how they can find out more about you and your books. Is there some sort of social media or a website they can go to? There's lots of social media things uh, this day and age. I'm most often found on Twitter at Gabriella Houston. Easy to find. Um, I'm on Instagram at Gabriella Houston one and I have a website, GabriellaHouston.com. All very easy. If you know my name, you'll find me. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. It's as simple as that. Uh, well, that's it. That's all we've got time for. Gabriella, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thank you so much for inviting me. Had great fun. 
It's all good. And to you, lovelinesses, thank you for sticking around. Remember, you can find out more about us and more of our programmings at Big Kids Book Club on Twitter. You can also head over to our website, bigkidsbookclub.com, where you'll find far more content. We have our midweek reviews, our Tuesday teasers, and plenty more extras for you to get into. But that is it for today. So all I have left to say is to take care, to stay safe, and most importantly, to keep on reading.